1: And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: Thanks for listening to Danny and Dusty On Demand, a
4: Service Patriots podcast. Is your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59 27-point furnished tune-up and safety check, including a free 1-inch filter. They'll also check your A.C. for free. Go to ServicePatriots.com.
0: We're getting you ready for pro football's postseason.
2: Playoffs?
0: We'll talk about playoffs. This is a Wild Card Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at WarrenAllen.com.
0: Danny and Dusty
3: on 1080.
2: You kidding me? Playoffs?
3: The Fan. After 14 seasons as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, making him the winningest coach in Seahawks history, the fourth longest tenured coach in the NFL entering this season, Pete Carroll has decided to step away as head coach from the Seahawks and join the team in an, an, an advisory role moving forward. We now head to the podium where Pete Carroll is live in Seattle.
5: Appreciate uh, everybody showing up. Um, since our uh, our last game, um, I had a couple chances to uh, to talk, and, and uh, first I shared um, my feelings about uh, about our team and uh, about the organization and representing the twelves and my intentions of staying with the Hawks, man. And that um, that was true uh, to the bone. And uh, I want to make sure that that's that's clear as. Things have shifted so quickly in in most people's perspective. Uh, It's been an honor and a thrill to be part of this program. And uh, I've loved every minute of it. And uh, (laughs) you've watched me love it (laughs) in particular. and it's, it's, it's exciting that, that there's such a future uh, uh, here, and, and you can see it. And we, we know what's happening, and, and uh, it's bright, and the club's got great places to go, and there's great chances. It don't ever happen automatically if there's a lot of work to be done and all of that, but the future is bright. And uh, following our season-ending meetings uh, with ownership um, in the planning sessions, it's clear that uh, – and for a variety of reasons, um, we, we have mutually agreed uh, to set a new course and uh, for the club um, to to take on new leadership. And uh, that's just a decision that's been made. And, and uh, um, there's a lot that went into that and a lot that went behind that. And uh, uh, for all my guys, I, I think you know how how much I probably competed uh, for our perspective and, and our standpoint and, and, and all of that. I freaking didn't back off for an instant. And... and uh, What's going to happen now is the process will start to get new, new leadership here, and that will be uh, on Johnny's, Johnny's docket. He's going to get after that and, and make that happen with help of ownership and all that, and we'll, we'll be supporting them as much as possibly can happen uh, so that they can do a great job with it. Um, I'm so grateful to the coaches uh, that have been with us uh, for so many years, also all of the coaches that have been here for the years before um, that put up with my stuff and, and uh, found way – you know, to bring it to life daily. And uh, I have a great gratitude for that. <laughs> really, it was really, and I, go, I go to the, it's not just the dedication and the loyalty, it's the freaking juice. <laughs> it's bringing it. And I asked a lot of them, and uh, they were good at it. And I appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so heartfully sorry for the families. Um, y'all don't realize how, how deep this runs. Um, you know, it's just going next coach, next staff, what's going to happen, what's the future and all that, there's people in this thing. And uh, it breaks my heart that um, so many people get get shocked and adjusted and surprised and all of that and the children. And we have so many kids in this organization that we love so much and we celebrate whenever we get our chance. Um, it, it breaks my heart that, that you know we're dealing with that. But that's, that is what happens and that's part of this business and part of a lot of businesses, it's not, not unique just to us. Um, To the players that that have been part of this thing, you don't probably know this, how how deeply I feel about um, the NFL is about the players. And uh, we've not recognized that to my satisfaction. I brought it up at the league meetings a few years ago and probably surprised some people about it. But this league is about the players. And without those guys doing what they do, there's nothing. It isn't about the ownership, it's not about the coaching, it's not about the color of the uniforms or the going to the stadium. It's about those guys doing what they do and putting their, their body on the line so regularly. And it's not just a, a, a statement, it's it's real. Uh, and to, we should always, I, in my opinion, understand that we should celebrate those guys because they are the NFL. They are this, this game that we love and, and the game we get to coach. Who would I be coaching, you know? Um, and uh, I have some, a lot of thoughts about that, but I really do appreciate it. And to see some of our guys here today, I mean, it means the world. It means the world. Uh, the, uh, I, I want to remind us, I guess, one time about, about the work. Yeah, tons of work. Dedication, all that hard stuff that, that we do with coaches and players to get to what we can get to, but it's really always been about the fun. And uh, Wags, you've always been the guy that always reminds us that if you ain't doing it right, uh, you're not having any fun at all. And uh, I, I appreciate you keeping me connected to that. It, it's pretty inherent to me, too. You know, we're, we, we're birds of a feather in that regard. But I also, uh, Bobby, is, is I appreciate you and, and T lock and Gino that have kept me connected to our former players. Um, that's a really important part of this relationship of being a coach and particularly in this program where we've been here for so long and so many souls have come through. Um, Having you guys with me all the way through this, this time, and I always feel like I'm a little bit connected to those guys. And I don't ever want to lose that connection because I'm so indebted to all of the time we spent and the things that we did. I'm so proud of of, of really seeing the young men grow up and take off in their lives and doing their things and owning businesses and families and kids and the whole thing. It's a, it's a great joy for a coach. But I appreciate you keeping me connected to that. Um, I really want to, got to thank Jody and and. and Unfortunately, Paul not, but uh, the family w- was really classy at all times, and uh, and they supported what we were doing. Uh, I felt that the support faithfully throughout, and uh, grateful for that. Um, it's a, it's a nice relationship here with the ownership, and it's as good as you can get uh, from my perspective. Uh, maybe harder on the, on personnel guys sometimes, Johnny, but, but uh, always so good. And uh, to Johnny uh, Snyder, you know, way back in the day. When uh, I first got the job here, uh, they wanted to know if I wanted to be the general manager. And I said, no, but I'd like to hire him. And, and Paul said, okay. And we, we got John on, on board. And, and uh, from the first moment that we really, okay, now we're going to do this, we stepped off to the side. And, and I, I I gave John a big hug. And I said, we're getting married, dude. And, and uh, I'm going to help you be the, the greatest general manager in, in the history of the league, if I could. And and, uh, you took 14 years to get to it, and I'm so proud. I'm so excited for you to to have this opportunity. It's gonna be cool, and and it's always been a great marriage, and uh, um, it's just unforgettable, and I'm just so grateful for that, Um, and going forward, I'll I'll be your biggest fan now, dude, I'll be there, I'll be right there for you. Um, I've been blessed with like the rarest of best friends and uh, mentor. Um, loving partner, the angel in my life. <laughs> this is worth crying for. <laughs> um, Glenda, nobody would ever understand how significant she had been through all of the stuff that we've been through. And uh, how important she is. As, a, as She's just been the angel in my life. And uh, I owe you everything. <laughs> Um my boys, Brennan and Nate, you guys would have no idea how valuable they've been to me because they were the ones that would give me all the crap about what I was doing wrong and what I was screwing up. They were harsh, and, and their critiques were rash, and, and the whole thing, it was perfect because I needed that loyalty, and uh, they were the epitome of it for me. And I'm uh, forever grateful. They know. They know, but uh, I don't mind saying it to you because um, it's hard to be that deeply loyal. It's hard to tell people what they don't want to hear and, and what they need to hear, and uh, it's it's rare to have people around you that were willing to do that, particularly when you get in this kind of position, and it's so necessary to, to do well and do right. Uh, so fellas, I love the hell out of that. Um, Jamie and the crew, uh, my daughter and, and, and all our, our our husbands and wives and our seven-plus kids. we got one on the way coming in April, uh, making Glenn and I the proudest grandma and grandpa you can be. Uh, really... Grateful to those to those kiddies that uh, put up with Grandpa's crazy stuff because you can imagine I'm I'm am I'm a pretty whacked out Grandpa, um, uh, <clears throat> and I just I just want to say this that um, one one of the things I'm most proud of in in, in getting here is way back in the day when uh, I called Tater and said you know hey we got a chance to go to Seattle man and uh, how about we take a, take a shot and get up there and maybe two three years they'll give us a chance and then they'll kick us out of here. And uh, we'll see what happens, you know. But I'd like to like to take the culture that we had at SC and see what happens. And uh, he said, hey, "Of course, Tater is always on board. He said, yeah, heck, yeah, let's go." And uh, 14 years later, man, it's it's, it's we're, we're both so shocked by that, um, and but we're grateful for it as well. But but what I am most proud of is is that we we took a culture that we developed there in in those college days and came here to see if you cared for people deeply, and you, uh, and you loved them for who they were, and tried to find uh, the, the extraordinary uniqueness that made them them, and celebrate that, and not try to make them something that they're not, and not, not to try to expect them to be something other than that, but try to see if we can capture that, that extraordinary uniqueness that they had, uh, and celebrate that with them, Let's see what happens. Well, at SC we killed it, and uh, we came up here. And overall, we've been successful for a long time. I, I didn't think any way that this would happen like this. I didn't have that vision, but I'm grateful for it because what we have here we have an extraordinary culture, and uh, um, I'm really proud of that. The guys that are here, no. The guys that come here and leave, no. The guys that haven't been here before and they show up here, they're shocked, and uh, and really it's. That happens because you guys continue to celebrate it and keep it going and and I'm able to keep calling on you guys to to illustrate what it's all about. And uh, this is a very special place because of all of that and I'm I'm grateful for that. Um, So um, the the one last part of that that I wanted to say is that what it's always been behind the culture is trying to help people find their best and uh, one person at a time. And uh, it works, it's real and uh, you can feel it and um i'm i'm really grateful for that so we we learned something here it was a total experiment <laughs> it was a tater was we, we had no idea um but you guys are examples of of how that worked out so i i love you and appreciate that so uh that's it for now and uh I'm freaking jacked. I'm fired up. I'm not tired. I'm not worn down. Uh, you, you guys tried your best. You didn't wear me out. I'm, you know, it's the end of the season. I'm supposed to be, you know, go lay on a cot somewhere. I ain't feeling like that. And, uh, um, you know, there's what's coming. I don't know. I got no idea. And I really don't care right now, but uh, I do. Um, I'm excited about it because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to study. Uh, there's, a there's some great discoveries that are going to come our way. And as my, my, all-time mentor Bud Grant said, not in so many words, uh, there's, there's rivers to wade, uh, there's waves to catch, and there's mountains to hike. And uh, it wasn't exactly how Bud said it, but uh, I get it, and uh, that's some cool stuff that we're going to do here. Um, and uh, I look forward to all that. So um, with that, go. What do you got?
3: The statement indicated that you're still going to be around the organization. you still got some work to do here. What does that entail?
5: Uh we're, we're going to figure that out. We don't really know right now. Um, but um, I'm grateful for the, the intention that, you know, that the organization has, you know, to try to find something uh, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, so we'll see. I don't know. What
4: went into the decision to step back or, or I guess agreed to step back and not be the coach? I mean, why, did
5: you, why did you agree to do that? Well, I, I competed pretty hard to be the coach. Um, just so you know, because I just wanted to make sure that I stood up for all of our coaches and the players and the things that we had accomplished and not, not so that we could be the coach still, but so that we could continue to have a chance to be successful and keep the organization going. That's what I was fighting for. So I, I in that regard, that was what I was representing in our discussions. And, uh, we got, got to a good part, a good, clean spot where it made sense. And, and, uh. You know, I went along with the, with their intentions. Do you feel like the, the team could take the next step forward and continue? Know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and they, we all know that.
3: You sounded pretty confident Sunday and Monday that you would continue in your coaching role. Can you walk us through what the last couple of days have been like?
5: Um, just just that we had our year-ending. Uh, Meetings with ownership and, and uh, planning sessions with Johnny and just talking through s- stuff, getting ready, and uh, it takes us to the point where you know you get to wh- what's next, and uh, th- this isn't about me. Being the head coach that is it's about this organization being successful and being uh, on course For the long haul of it as well, and I realize that I mean mean, I'm I'm about as old as you can get in this business, and there's there's coming a time They got to make some decisions and so um, moving towards the future um, If if there's some way that uh, I can add something to them down the road. We'll see what happens, but um, This is a good move for for them and and Johnny's gonna take this thing take the bull by the horns and and roll and uh, I'm so I'm so thankful that I get to see him have, take that next step and, and, uh, and watch what he does with it. He's going to kick butt.
3: All right, there he is, Pete Carroll, uh, stepping aside after 14 years as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And at the end there, uh, that's the part that we wanted to grab, and that's the part that we wanted to know. What went into this decision? Pete Carroll saying he fought hard to still be the head coach.
0: After the end of a good fight,
3: But it was a decision. It uh, sounds like ownership wanted to make the make, move away from Pete Carroll. A lot to unpack from that as uh, Pete Carroll, no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons in the Northwest. This is Danny Dusty on the fan.
0: This is a Wild Card Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com.
0: On 1080, the fan.
3: All right, a couple things to digest from Pete Carroll's press conference where he discussed his decision to step aside as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. A role undefined as an advisor to the organization will continue. It seems like it is amicable. It is on good terms between Pete Carroll and, of course, John Snyder, where he said, I will be your biggest fan. And you love hearing that if you're a Seahawks fan. Um, but it sounds like the relationship is still good between ownership, Jody Allen, Burt Cold, Vulcan, uh, in the Seahawks organization, and Pete Carroll. One thing that uh was pretty glaring though is where he said, I, you know, I I fought to continue to be the head coach. And he believes that they can win in short order with whomever is the next head coach. And it, one thing that, you know, with P. Carroll, it, he's not going to be a guy who meddles or tries to, you know, subvert the next head coach of the organization. He wants them to succeed there. But I do th- find it very interesting that ownership was pushing for him to step aside this season. Um, that is a little alarm. You have, one of the, you have the greatest coach in organizational history. He is 72. He, you, you heard it in his voice how much the game means to him, how much the Seahawks mean to him, how much his team means to him, and the culture that he built there. And I thought that was one thing that really stuck out to me is Pete Carroll sitting there and, and saying culture. Culture is what wins. Culture is what wins. You can build a staff of in very bright football minds. But what is the difference between organizations that win and lose is culture. You met you call him Dweeberflusen in in Chicago. It's because his culture sucks. Dweeberflusen knows football. Frank Reich knows football. Arthur Smith knows football. Those guys are all fired this year. Getting guys to buy in is the hardest part. Getting everybody to pull in the same direction, that's the hardest part. Because every single coach in the National Football League, every single coach at the Division I level in college football, they know more football than you ever will. They've forgotten more football than you will ever know. They are all bright, X's and O's wise. Culture's what wins. Culture's what gets guys to do things that normally they'd be unwilling to do. But if you have a good culture and you can get guys to buy in and it's it comes in a variety of ways, whether it is demanding nature or in Pete Carroll's case, you know, he is very demanding and don't get that twisted with Pete Carroll being a player's coach. But Pete Carroll is a player's coach and he's relatable to his players and his players relate to him and he goes the extra mile to build and develop those relationships with the players. That's what wins. That's what wins. And he wants to maintain that culture. And I think that's going to be the interesting part about as you see who the next head coach is going to be. And maybe that was the shortcomings of Dan Quinn when he was in Atlanta. Which, by the way, they were pretty damn good in Atlanta when they went to a Super Bowl
4: and blew a 28-3 lead. Right? Pretty good. They were. Hey, look. Dan Quinn is a good coach. Um... But can
3: Pete Carroll help him maintain the culture of Seattle you get the X's and O's that he has to get the, the buy-in that he can get to kind of push it over the top. If that is going to be the guy who they end up hiring or whomever it is.
4: And he'd for sure get the, the stamp of approval from Pete, which I think is big. But, but I think when you listen to that press conference, you see why he was successful. Yeah. You could hear it in his voice. You could hear it while he's fighting through tears the entire time. He didn't want to go. Now, while it might be amicable, it felt like if he could stay another year, he would. Yep. And so to me, that feels like maybe it wasn't necessarily his decision, but he saw the writing on the wall, and he saw that the decision was going to be made. And so instead of going the uh, the, the Wink Martindale, where he cusses out Brian Dable <laughs> and just MFs everyone on his way out. Pete did the stand-up thing. And the thing that I feel like he's really done his entire career, which is be a class act and go out the right way and thank the people that you're supposed to thank and say the right things. And then when you do leave, everyone will remember you fondly. It's like when you get broken up with.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: If you go out and absolutely trash that person to their face in the breakup or to other people, to your mutual friends, pe- that might feel good in the moment. And people are going to be like, yeah, man, you, you really got out. You dodged a bullet there. But all deep down in their in their hearts and in their brains, they go, wow, that guy's kind of a jerk. I kind of see why they got dumped. Yep. When Pete Carroll goes out and says the right things and treats th- this organization the right way and thanks the people that he's supposed to, he will be remembered in a much higher light.
3: You know, the interesting part and this is what I this is what I really appreciate about Pete Carroll was we often hear coaches that'll fight back tears during these sorts of press conferences and stuff, but it was the moments in which Pete Carroll was fighting back his tears, right? He wasn't just a blubbering mess up there. He was fighting back tears when he was talking about relationships. His relationship with his wife, his kids, his players, the good times that they had, talking about John Schneider, those are the times that he's getting choked up. That is why people get into coaching, right? A lot of people just like, they get into coaching because it's like, oh, it's football, it's what I know, right? The successful people in coaching get in it for the people too. You know, it's, it's a really weird thing. You know, no matter what level you coach at, whether, you know, there's probably a lot of youth coaches or high school coaches or small college coaches that, that are listening right now that sit there and y- y- you're kind of going, yeah, that is, that, that's why you do it. Because you go out to practice and when you, especially when you get to the higher levels, like when you get into college or when you get in, into professional football, football has been their vehicle for life. And the meaning of the game means a heck of a lot more. And you're teaching at a far higher level, but you can make those connections at a higher level as well. And sometimes the best parts of any player's day or, hell, any coach's day is when they go out on that practice field because that game that has meant so much to them, that has taught them so much, that's your release, right? And if you can make those connections and you can meet with somebody on a human level when you're playing the game, that is where coaching pays off. And you can feel that with Pete Carroll, right? When you, you can feel that with Pete Carroll that wins, losses are, are what, it, what what the game is about, right? When That's what, what happens when he coaches on Sundays. But coaching for him is far more than that. It is what happens Monday through Saturday that leads up to what happens on Sunday. You can tell that dude is successful because of it.
4: There are a lot of, especially old school and his age of coaches, mm. that the old saying, I treated everyone the same, treated them like dirt. That's not what Pete Carroll was. And when you go back, and and I encourage people, and they will now that he is uh, no longer the head coach. They're going to go back and look at old YouTube clips or read old news articles. He tried to be that coach when he was in New York, and when he was in New England. That's the kind of coach he tried to be because that's what everyone else was. Mm-hmm. And when he went to USC, he realized he couldn't be successful unless he came in. He's He's got this pyramid of success. And it's not like Ron Swanson's. It's a legit thing. <laughs> or John Wooden's. It's similar to John Wooden. Look, it's all, it's all an offshoot of John Wooden. It is what it is. But when you look at the pyramid of success that he has created and how he lives his life and how every single day in his organization, when he's your football coach, there's a saying and there's a meaning, and he lives it as well. I think that that shows, one, why he's successful, but it also shows the way that football is moving towards mm-hmm. and the way that coaches – have to act nowadays and he seems to be on the forefront of it where he is a true players coach he genuinely cares about his players it isn't someone from their ivory tower saying hey this is what this football team needs to be and if you can't get in line like i'm saying your ass is cut and i don't care about your family he cares about the people around him it's why he's a good dude it's why people want to play for him
3: several players were there too including geno smith bobby wagner Uh, in attendance for Pete Carroll's press conference. Uh, One thing that I want to make sure we we discuss here I talked about how every coach knows X's and O's and it's the culture that you can build and create that kind of takes it to the next level. Pete Carroll does not nearly get enough credit for the innovator he is on the defensive side of the football especially in the secondary and how good of a coach he was in the back end of his defenses. Like, it's not a mistake how the Legion of Boom was built and created, you know? And it was not, I mean, he has he has done it in several iterations and variations, but the long pterodactyls that he put out on the edges, the zone schemes and the downhill play of his strong safeties – I mean, he found guys that were to a system that square peg in a lot of round holes around the league. And he found, he he carved out some square holes in his secondary and he filled them. And that's why those defenses were so damn good.
4: And people forget about this too. And I'm just young enough to remember the USC teams largely because my grandpa, uh, great-grandpa Wilbur, big USC Trojan fan. So I watched a lot of the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart teams growing up. They don't get enough credit for how good those defenses <laughs> were.
3: Those defenses were insane. Because
4: when people think about them, they think Matt Leiner, they think Reggie yeah. Bush, they think Lendell White. Absolutely. They do not give those defenses enough credit. There was a point in time where he had a linebacking core that was Ray Malaluga, Clay Matthews Jr., and Brian Cushing. Pretty damn good. That would be an incredible group in the NFL, let alone – In college? In the Pac-10. Just dominant. Dominant.
3: All right, we got a couple offshoots of uh, the worst day on the web. We will take a break from Seahawks. We will revisit it as the show goes on because Pete Carroll out after 14 seasons as the Seahawks head coach, including uh, what does it look like for the Seahawks moving forward from a roster construction issue as you head into this uh, offseason? 23rd in the NFL in salary cap space. You have the 16th overall pick. You do not own a second-round pick, but you got two-thirds that you can work with. We will get to that as the show moves on, but our worst day on the web is next. Day on the web. With
0: Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan.
3: That sucks. Got a quick follow-up to a viral video that we all saw last week. You remember seeing the... Guy going Superman over the the judge's bench and attacking the judge. Yeah. You saw
4: that guy? Smart move there. Dumbass.
3: So he was sentenced to 19 to 48 months in prison for the baseball bat attack that was, was there when he was being denied probation for that attack. He saw 19 to 48 months. And so he snapped when he was not given probation for that. Um, attack, and that's why he jumped over the the judge's little desk there and attacked her. Um, He is now being charged with attempted murder of an older person, battery, intimidating a public officer with a threat of force, extortion, and disregarding the safety of a person resulting in substantial bodily harm. My dude is uh, 19 to 48 months is a uh, drop in the hat compared to what he is going to be getting as a result of these charges. The look on his face when he was getting that sentence handed down to him, he was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) you think? And you know what? That's just like the ultimate like, hey. Judge definitely right in that one to not grant that guy probation. He's like, "I'm a changed man." He's like, "No, you're not." Oh, jump over the bench and attack the judge. Not a good, not a good look on that guy's part. And now he's gonna be going to the slammer for a real long time. Apparently, he choked the judge and was like pulling on her hair. You gotta pull. You gotta turn your mic on to talk on the radio. Will?
4: No, I don't. Don't tell me what I do and have to do. I was over here talking about something else. All right. Oh yeah. I'll tell you what, though. um, That judge is badass. That judge is badass. Because you know what she did? She said, he will see me again. (laughs) He will come back. I am not going anywhere. I am not scared of that man. You are going to see me again, sir. I love the double down. (laughs) Hell
3: yeah. Yeah. You don't can't be intimidated by that clown. And he came back with like the orange mittens on. Everything was all chained up. He was wearing like the Hannibal Lecter mask, dude. Like they had a They had They should all have
4: wheeled up. him in Hannibal Lecter style. I think this was. I think this was worse. Making him walk in with he, a muzzle, like shoff- a dog muzzle.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it, with the orange little mittens on.
4: The orange. It's like, mittens what are you gonna do now, doom. guy?
3: But he had like six guards around him. It's like, you know, all you needed to do is, instead of the six guards around him,
4: just place one in front of the bench. (laughs) That would have stopped it. Just have your biggest guard put him right in front, and then he can't get there. Like Bull from Night Court. I want to know what his thought process is. No, Night Court's back. I understand. Melissa Mm. Rauch is in it.
3: Yeah, you don't know Bull, though, from the original Night Court. I think he died. I think...
4: think, uh, Probably. All the movies you quote are from, like,
3: 30, 40 years ago. Easy, bud. (laughs) Easy, bud. Easy, bud. What
4: did you say you wanted to know? I want to know, like, what went through his mind in the initial of, like, she has, she is not allowing me probation. You know what? I will show her how I get out, how I get probation and how I get out of this. I will beat her up. Yeah. And then clearly she will have to give me probation.
3: Yeah, that's not how it goes, bud. That's not how it goes there, pal. Uh, So he's looking at mm, 19 to 48 months in in the old slammer there. Out of uh, other news on the worst day on the web, which we will continue coming up next, somebody finally said it. Said what we're all thinking, and I I bet there's quite a few teams from the early 2000s, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, (laughs) that feel the exact same way. Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: This is a Wild Card Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On
0: 1080, the fan.
3: All right, we finally had a coach uh, go off and say it. Last night in the Raptors versus Lakers game, uh, there was quite the free throw discrepancy. In favor of the Lakers in their 132 131 win over Toronto. In the fourth quarter, it was twenty-three to two free throw discrepancy. Sacramento Kings fans going, been there. Like Blazer fans, been there.
4: Well, the Lakers don't foul.
3: No, they don't. But in the midst of that forty-four-forty two fourth quarter between the two teams, uh Darko uh, oh my gosh Rajakovich he is the coach of the raptors got VR. thick accent Darko coach Darko he went off on quite the rant in the in the post game for the raptors and I don't blame him one bit thank you doug thank you doug that's
4: that's that's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in the in fourth quarter. How to play the game? I all, I understand respect for all-stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And wh- what's happening? Happening Over here during whole season, I've been
1: holding
3: you back. It's a complete crap. Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, they, entering the fourth quarter, what they were up one entering the fourth quarter, and they end up losing 132 to 131 because of a 23 to two free throw discrepancy. Now. People uh, that are Lakers fans and always defend L.A. media, like uh, Colin did earlier, he said, you know, that's bogus because 10 of those free throws came in the, in the final 30 seconds when Toronto was trying to foul. Yeah, well, 13-2 to before that is pretty, is pretty alarming anyways. And when you look at some of the fouls that were called, Austin Reeves was called, uh, a foul was called on Austin Reeves as he was going through the lane. Nobody touched him. And he got two free throws because he missed the damn shot. Like, you cannot tell me that there were that there were plays in there where it it should have been called the other way, and it won't go to the other end, and there's a phantom call. Like, it was obvious when you look at it. Now, were 10 free throws awarded at the end in those final 30 seconds? Yeah. But also at the same time it got to that point where it was 13 to 2 heading into those final 30 seconds and that is also a discrepancy that you do not want is as, as a league and you cannot have is when you're looking at a team that's scratching, clawing and fighting and the Lakers are going to get the benefit of the doubt.
4: Right. And and like just just to play DeVils advocate yeah. just for a little bit. Yeah. The Lakers are going to get more fouls based on the style of play that they are that they play. 100%. Right? LeBron is going to attack the basket. Anthony Davis is going to attack the basket. Yes. But you are correct. It cannot be such a 90-10% when it comes to how many fouls are called and what fouls are called on each team. There's a problem with the league when it comes to how many calls the star players get. Star football players get calls all the time. Star pitchers in baseball get calls all the time. But when those calls come, it's once every two to three games. Or if a pitcher's out, he's going to get two or three really close calls when it comes to painting the inside and outside parts of the corners, right? And he's going to get them for that strike three. Or it's a big third down and DK Metcalf, he's going to get that defensive pass interference because the guy is dragging all over him. It feels like, to a degree, with the Lakers, if they drive into the lane and they do the old school James Harden, ah, they're going to get a call every time. Yeah.
3: I mean, and in, I'll in push back. Uh, like, that style of play thing is, is true. But Coach Darko there is talking Scotty Barnes, downhill player. And he is not. Hunting for fouls, and he's not hunting for calls. When you look at the fact that, yeah, L.A. They're not going to play as much as the run and gun style. Let's take a look at the box score here, and you can you can look at it, and you can say forty four percent of the Lakers' attempts from the field last night were three point attempts. Guess how many? Guess how many it was for the the Raptors?
4: I bet less. 37%
3: 37% of 40 their,
4: is higher than I would have expected.
3: Yeah. The, of their 81 shot attempts, 36 of them were three-point attempts. Of 94 attempts from the field for the, the Raptors, 35 were three-pointers. They shot in volume, fewer three-pointers, and had more shot attempts in the game. And yet got to the free-throw line a total of 13 times. Whereas the Lakers got to the free-throw line 36 times times in the game
4: i wonder how many times how many of those fouls and uh free throw shots are coming from lebron and coming from anthony davis uh
3: 14 for anthony davis six for lebron so 20 of their 36 were from those two guys
4: so you could almost take if you take those two guys away anthony davis shot pretty darn even
3: anthony davis shot more free throws than the entire raptors team
4: that's a problem that is a problem that has to be fixed (laughs) <laughs> it it just does. Well, it's why everyone hates James Harden. That's what his career was built off what's of.
3: What's funny is that this complaint about the officiating, especially late in games, it, it is LeBron James was just complaining about it on Monday night, even. LeBron James was complaining about it during the Celtics-Pacers game when Jalen Brown got hit in the head. They reviewed the, the attempt and then overturned the call when he clearly got hit in the head. And then LeBron even tweeted about it saying this is a problem in the league. And then the very next night, LeBron is the beneficiary of a game where it was called like that where it was like completely one-sided. Like it's it's frustrating and look, this is a this is a problem that we see quite often in the NBA at about this time of the year, right? You have guys that are hunting for calls. You get teams that are trying to find their footing and stand their ground in playoff races. Uh, And when you're not getting calls against teams that traditionally do get those calls, it it, it hits a boiling point, and it's usually about this time in January. And then there'll be a memo that goes out. The waters will level, and everything will work out. But that's an all-time rant. And you know what? Some people are knocking Coach Darko, for the accent, being like it's hard to understand. I think that I think that ramps it up a little bit. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not hating. I'm picking up what Coach Darko's putting down. I understood every damn word he said. I didn't feel like it was hard to figure out what he was saying at all. And I like the fact that it has a little flair to it
4: when he's getting upset. I feel like anger translates in all languages. Yeah, and it's not hard to figure out where his anger anger was going to come from. Now he's going to have to eat a nice fine. Oh, yeah,
3: oh, he's going to get that fine. I bet his players give him a little cash on the side for that one.
4: Or, you know, maybe it comes from the front office of, hey, thank you for going out and saying those things. But I I bet you there are multiple coaches that shot him a text that said thank you. (laughs) Hell, yeah. Because that's what you need. You need these situations. You need a coach or a player to go over the top and complain about something that's happening like this so that the change will finally happen. Yeah. Because if they don't say anything, the change will never happen. (sighs) The NBA has a problem, at least an image problem when it comes to referees. I think, well,
3: it is is, the Tim Donaghy thing is going to be impossible for them to shake. And basketball is a game where you have so many calls that are judgment calls. Right. And they can dictate a game. So since the Donaghy scandal it is oh he must be in on the take oh he must have juice on this game oh because the game is is up to judgment in so many calls that you have on every single possession right we always say in football like holding. there's holding on every play you know the egregious ones get called basketball there's multiple fouls every time down the floor Mm hmm carries every (laughs) time down the floor travels moving screens it's all game long and so that is the biggest issue that the nba has with their officiating and it is what you have in the complaining players and coaches know that they understand that it it is part of the game but you lobby to get in the forefront of the minds of the officials that your team has been slided. And when you have that in the forefront, officials are human, and when you have judgment calls and you are a human being, Mm -hmm. that will always be in your mind.
4: Right. But who would you – and I also think there's another aspect of it too when it comes to the star players getting the calls that they want. It's a lot easier to get yelled at by quickly – and by O.G. and Anubi and Pascal Siakam than it is for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to scream at you.
3: Absolutely. Uh, the great text here, too. Chris Paul, Scott Foster feud doesn't help either. Yeah. Absolutely not. When you have a, an official who confronts a player multiple times, including before the playoffs, saying, you know, you've never won a playoff game I've officiated, that's an issue. Scott Foster needs to be gone. They need to overhaul their their officiating crews. Full stop. Right. Full stop.
4: Also, the growth of x slash Twitter doesn't help yeah. a lot of tinfoil hat people now have a large voice nBA twitter is is quite substantial as well it's a place man it's it's a wild place to join, yeah, oh hell yeah. it's my favorite place to like look at from an aerial view. <laughs> it's like what's going on over here now? Oh, craziness awesome uh all right uh by
3: the way. One of the top defensive linemen in the transfer portal, former Oregon State defensive lineman, Sione Lolohea, is uh, now a Florida State Seminole. He and DJ Uyunglele are, are joining forces again in Tallahassee. So another beeve gone officially, going to Florida State.
4: Yeah, to the regular season champions, Florida State Seminoles. 2023.
3: You can't even say that with a straight face. Sorry.
4: I also like to take an aerial view of Danny
3: Cannell's Twitter. Oh, my gosh. That is an adventure as well. My God. All right. Uh, 503-864-6326. That's the Vancouver Ford text line. Uh, We've had a lot of Seattle Seahawks talk today, and uh, rightfully so. Pete Carroll, no longer at the helm of the Seahawks after 14 seasons, a Super Bowl victory and another Super Bowl performance. Where do the Seahawks go from here? From a roster standpoint, this is the time to reset if you are Seattle. Next on The Fan.
2: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.